Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Good morning, 26 minutes now to nine. Over the last few months, you'll have heard a huge amount about the International Criminal Court and the fact that because we still belong to the ICC, our government has a duty to arrest the Russian President Vladimir Putin if he comes to South Africa. Within that, we keep hearing certain phrases such as the Rome Statute or a protocol or the fact that the Rome Statute or the International Criminal Court has been domesticated into our law. But what does that really mean and how does it really work? And what happens if we don't live up to our obligations under the International Criminal Court? And why can't we just leave it like that if we want to? These are the questions we want to answer today, especially because it looks like we'll see more conversations around this ahead of the BRICS Heads of State Summit. First this morning, Dr. Attila Kisler is the head of the International Justice Cluster at the Southern African Litigation Centre. Then, Professor Andre Thomashausen is a UNISA Professor Emeritus of International Law. And finally, Bayetem Swazi is the President of the Black Lawyers Association. We start then from the Southern African Litigation Centre with Dr. Attila Kisler. Dr. Kisler, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, let's start at the beginning. I understand the point of the International Criminal Court. It's to hold people to account when their governments won't. It only applies to certain crimes like genocide or crimes against humanity. But what is the Rome Statute? So the Rome Statute is an international, multi-international, multilateral agreement uh, between 100, that 123 uh, states have signed on to and ratified. And with respect to South Africa, um, South Africa has, of course, also signed and ratified the Rome Statute as a member of the International Criminal Court. And under under the uh, its constitutional framework, uh, South Africa is obliged to uh, domesticate international uh, agreements. Only then uh, these international agreements uh, become effective here in the country. And that has been done with the ICC Implementation Act here in South Africa. So that phrase domesticate, what does that mean? So domestication is uh, means actually, uh, um, uh, uh, so to say, you can say a translation or implementation of the existing treaty. You, uh, an international treaty, of course, um, can't always like apply to any any kind of scenario, any kind of domestic scenario. So each country uh, or a country like South Africa. Um, has to implement that treaty and implement it within its uh, uh, greater framework, legal framework, so uh, to um, uh, to to actually apply the uh, obligations uh, under the Rome Statute. So does that mean that our so so we sign the document, someone put a nice big signature, and then our Parliament, our National Assembly, had to actually pass an act. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. And that has been done with the ICC Implementation Act, uh, where we, of course, refer in that act to, to, to many uh, areas and parts of the Rome Statute, but a law has been passed uh, through Parliament in that regard. So if you sign the Rome Statute, which I presume we did voluntarily, no one put a gun to our head, we, 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 happy, we were happy to do that. Do they then give us the text and we copy and paste that text into our law and that's it? Or could we do we could we vary it to our own specifications? So that 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 kind of um, uh, implementation, it's not only specific to the Rome Statute, it's, it applies to any any kind of uh, international agreement. Uh, there are certain rules uh, under international law. 
how um, uh, to what extent um, domestic uh, domestication of an international agreement uh, uh, to what the extent uh, states might have a uh, discretion uh, of course states will have to uh, like I said have to implement the international agreement uh, into their greater legal framework so that's why um, uh, it will depend on the country that we're dealing with but generally, in terms of uh, implementing international agreements, there are certain rules such as that uh, one cannot, through its domestication of an international agreement, suddenly change the purpose of an entire treaty, of an entire provision, or go against the uh, objectives of a certain treaty. Um, so that there are certain limitations to that. Okay, so we could, for example, have domesticated it the bill that went through Parliament could have said this doesn't apply to heads of state. I think other countries might have done that. I mean, we didn't do that, but we could have decided that for ourselves, for example, while still signing the Rome uh, the Rome Treaty. Um, with respect to the Rome uh, Statute, um, it's... Uh, it depends. So when we speak about member states of the International Criminal Court, uh, the Rome Statute makes it clear that there are uh, no there's no head of state immunity or any kind of immunity that can pose a bar to the prosecution of the crimes under the Rome Statute. However, um, uh, uh, what has been uh, discussed more recently uh, is the uh, is the provision uh, Article 98 of the Rome Statute. Um, but in that regard, Article 98 of the Rome Statute is a provision that uh, basically limits the court's ability to um, to proceed with a request for assistance to a member state like South Africa. And it is not uh, a provision that grants uh, uh, a country, a member state like South Africa, the right to veto a request or decline a request. So that's that's why I meant before there are certain limitations to the domestication, and South Africa could not, through its like amendment of its implementation act, suddenly say, yeah, we we grant ourselves a right to decline uh, any request if if it's about a head of state immunity uh, of a non-state uh, non-state party to the ICC. Okay, so then if we break it, so if Putin comes to South Africa and we do not arrest him, we've broken our obligation under the Rome Treaty. But does that also mean that our government would have broken our law? Um, uh, technically, if uh, once if there's a request for the Russian president, um, South Africa is obliged to abide by that request. And uh, if South Africa would then decide not to arrest the Russian president if he's here, uh, um, it would be in violation of the Rome Statute, of course, but also, you're right, uh, in violation uh, uh, of existing or in contradiction to its existing uh, domestic jurisprudence by our courts and the domestic uh, legislation. Is any particular person held responsible, the president or the police minister or the police commissioner, or is it just the whole of government? Um, that would be uh, uh, probably the the, the government. Um, uh, of course, uh, as we as we as it has been reported, and the uh, uh, president has stated that he will make the decision on on this issue. Um, uh, I'm certain um, that uh, he will he will have the biggest responsibility in this matter. Um. So, but that would mean then that that the only person you could take action against would probably be 
the president, which is unlikely to happen, I would think. I mean, you know, the court can make a finding as they did in Omar al-Bashir, but it sort of stops after the finding, right? No one's punished from what I can see. No one goes to jail. No, of course, of course. Um, there are there are limitations to um, um, to the, 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 the framework of the Rome Statute or the framework that South Africa is part of. And as you know, uh, the International Criminal Court doesn't have some kind of uh, real um, uh, uh, enforcement authority or very uh, severe sanctioning systems. So uh, the, the ICC would um, probably, as they did in the al-Bashir matter, make a decision that South Africa was in violation of its uh, treaty obligations. But um, um, beside that, um, the, the, um, the, the impact wouldn't that be great. But looking at this from like uh, at a country uh, which is in violation of its uh, international law obligations. I think there also like um, there's an impact on the credibility and responsibility of South Africa, and that plays into its economic and political ties with uh, uh, with other countries, and it's like like I said, the credibility as part of the international community. Dr. Attila Kislap, thank you very much indeed. Really appreciate the time. The International Justice Cluster lead at the Southern African Litigation Center. As you can hear, it's a fascinating conversation, actually, because there's so many different intricacies to it. In a moment, we're due to speak to Professor Andre Thomashaus and Professor Emeritus of International Law at UNISA to continue with the question of what happens if we do not actually do what we are supposed to do. So we are going to hear uh, from him in just a moment. Also to come on this, the president of the Black Lawyers Association, Bayete Mswazi, on this particular issue. There's so many different things, of course, that play out relating to it. So we're going to continue your mediated conversation about this and just uh, continue with the conversation around the International Criminal Court and the domestication of it into our law. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. All right, we'll uh, continue your mediated conversation in just a moment, battling to get the guest up. Uh, we will speak to Professor Andre Thomashausen. He's a professor emeritus of international law. In fact, he joins us now. Professor Thomashausen is an emeritus professor of international law at UNISA. Professor Thomashausen, good morning and thank you for your time this morning. Yes, good morning, Stephen. Good morning, listeners. Glad we could overcome the technical challenges. I apologize for that. If we did not act on the indictment of Putin, what would the International Criminal Court do? And who makes the decision about what they do? Well, the International Criminal Court uh, takes all their decisions by themselves. um, They're a bit alone to themselves. Uh, So um, what they would do, they would uh, protest, uh, they would uh, say that we are in breach of our treaty obligations. But that is very debatable because Articles 97 and 98, uh, but especially 97, um, provide for a lot of exemptions and also some flexibility. Most unfortunately, the, the South African Act of Parliament, which implemented the Rome Statute, and it's actually much more simple than, than my colleague tried to explain, um, because an international organization cannot make law in South Africa. It has to be the South African Parliament that passes a law that uh, makes those international obligations a, a national law. Most unfortunately, that national law, which some people call the domestication law, uh, went far beyond of what we actually need to do uh, for the ICC. There was like a like a zeal, like an overshoot uh, to be to be more committed 
to international criminal law than even the International Criminal Court itself. Uh, and that is what actually Minister Lamola is trying to correct. He's trying to uh, table an amendment to that uh, Domestication Act to correct the, the overshoot. But unfortunately, the parliamentary procedure is a very slow one. And, and the opposition parties have, have many, many um, exceptions that they can raise to delay the process. So yes, there's a fear that this correction could not be in place in time before the BRICS summit. So in other words, we made the old English phrase as a rod for your, for your own back. We, we create the, uh, the, the way that we domesticated this created the problem for ourselves. Absolutely. And this was made clear by the Supreme Court of Appeals and their judgment. Um, they, they only uh, ruled um, uh, that, the, that the departure of President Bashir of Sudan was unlawful at the time uh, because of the South African Domestication Act, not because of the ICC or the Rome Statute. So um, that needs to be corrected anyway for, for future uh, issues and future problems. But uh, as I said, I'm, I'm afraid it won't happen in time. But then we are still at liberty under Article 97 of the Rome Statute to ask for the consultations. The title of Article 97 is consultations. If we uh, experience difficulties, if we have a problem with a particular warrant, um, then this provision in the Rome Statute gives us the right to enter into consultations with the ICC. And I think that should be done urgently to, uh, to explain to the ICC that we, we object, for instance, that the warrant is a secret warrant. Nowhere in the world, in a, in a rule of law uh, system, can there be a secret warrant because uh, an accused person cannot possibly defend mm. himself or herself against something that's secret. And we should also object against uh, the prosecutor of the ICC, Khan, having come out uh, two or three days after issuing the warrant. He came out to the public and said he needs funds to gather the evidence to back up the warrant. So, in other words, the, the ICC so-called pretrial chamber issued a warrant without actually having war enough evidence uh, on the table. Uh, that, again, is a severe breach of, of, fundamental, of rules of fundamental justice. And these are the problems that South Africa has. On top of it, we can very well argue that South Africa, together with six other African heads of state, is now engaged in, in, a, in a peace process, in a conflict resolution process, which is going to start this week on, on Friday with a visit to Kiev and then on Saturday to St. Petersburg to speak to Putin. Um, and, and whilst we are doing this, the ICC should hold back and not uh, disturb, not, uh, not render these, these peace talks difficult or even impossible because of a warrant. Just to be clear, the, you say the warrant that's been issued is a secret warrant. Is this normally the procedure, or is it just the case in, in Putin's case? I think it's just in Putin's case, because uh, the ICC remarked on it and said, uh, we have to keep it secret so as not to prejudice subsequent, uh, subsequent prosecution. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure prosecutors all over the world would love it if they could detain people without uh, revealing what they are detaining them for. So it's, it's a fundamental problem. But if you go to the internet and have a look uh, at the list of warrants for arrest that the ICC has issued, it is extraordinary. There's well over 100 warrants, and the only people that are not people of color, Asian or African, uh, are, are the last two warrants against Putin and against the minister in, in Russia who is responsible for family and children affairs. 
this this is a completely monochrome list, and it's extraordinary, as if as if uh, uh, severe crimes, crimes against humanity, uh, was something that only exists in Africa, and and in Asia. Hmm. Uh, the, this ICC is 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 not a universal institution. Uh, about sixty uh, percent of the world population have not signed up to it. The the biggest continents, India, China. Uh, Russia, of course, and and most of Africa have not signed up, and also a lot of the countries in South America. So it doesn't have a universal jurisdiction. It is a court that is funded up to seventy percent by the EU. So the the shareholder, the controlling shareholder of the ICC, is the EU, and and so it is quite natural that South Africa has some reservations. Um, of course, now they do not want to offend their international legal obligations. They do not want to incur the, the wrath of, of its major trading partners, which are the US and the EU. But, um, but there has to be some consultation on it, I, I, I suppose, and, and, and I propose. And, um, and the main reason is really that we have a remarkable initiative of the leading nations in Africa that are going to go to Kiev and they're going to go to uh, to the Russians and say this war with extraordinary expenditures, which an unbelievable rearming of the world, this war is immoral. Whilst there are one billion people in Africa that, that in most cases do not know how and what they can eat the next day. Professor Andre Thomashausen, thank you very much indeed. Professor Emeritus of International Law at UNISA. In a moment, from the Black Lawyers Association, there present Bayette M. Swazi. Mediated conversation on SAFM. Continue your mediated conversation this morning around the International Criminal Court and the domestication into our law. Well, you've heard some sharp criticism already of how it all works. Bayette M. Swazi is the president of the Black Lawyers Association. Bayette, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to your, to, your, to your listeners as well. I'm going to come to the criticisms of the International Criminal Court in a moment. But the idea of an ICC is that it would make the world more just. It would make it harder, harder for leaders to not be held accountable. Do you support the idea of an International Criminal Court? Yes, um, an International Criminal Court that is dedicated to the promotion of the rule of law and, and applies equally to all countries is an idea that uh, no one can reject. Um, um, it is necessary that uh, those uh, countries that subject their people to human rights violation and commit acts of aggression against other countries with uh, impunity have to be dealt with at the international level. And the way it's actually behaved, do you think it's worked towards fulfilling that? No, uh, the ICC has not covered itself in glory insofar as how it approaches issues of uh, um, um, aggression, um, wars, war, wars against humanity and in, um, impunity. Um, if you look at what has happened to Iraq and Afghanistan and what what the aggression did in those countries and the fact that there is no one that has been made accountable it it does uh, prove that uh, if the way it behaves is not the way an institution that is entrusted with the sacred principle of the rule of law ought to behave um 
I can see many arguments now for what South Africa should do. So, so an argument against being a part of the ICC would be to say, if a court does not conduct itself fairly, how can you trust it? If it is having, as Professor Thomas Housen says, uh, a secret warrant, for example, how can you trust it? Of all of the people who are indicted are, as he says, apart from Putin and another leader in Russia, people from Africa or, or persons of color, how can you trust it? I could see another argument if I wanted to try and argue the other way by yet. Uh, let me play lawyer for a minute. Um, if an ICC is trying to enforce justice on a global scale for the first time and make mistakes, makes mistakes, we should still support the idea and support the court anyway. So it's an argument that goes in many directions. What do you think we should do? Well, I I, I don't know what the South African government uh, will do, um, um, more especially where South Africa is positioned and uh, uh, economically. Um, on on the one side, it does not want to anger its uh, economic trade partners. On the other, it is part of uh, a constellation of nations that are trying to build a, a multipolar world, and they seem to pull into a different direction from those the major trading partners of South Africa. But clearly, there is no country in the world that engages in international law without some self-interest involved. And therefore, one would expect that South Africa was acknowledging its responsibilities under, under international law, would also ask itself what is our interest as a country, just as any other country would ask itself that question. Um, if Putin comes legally, do you think we'll have to arrest him? If nothing happens, because South Africa is bound, uh, if nothing happens, um, um, because there's quite a lot of other things that could happen, in fact, out of all this debate, one has to decry the absence of the uh, the principled policy position from the government. Um, There's quite a number of options. I know they are talking about seeking another venue or maybe disinvite him and so on. But as things stand now, it's going to be a struggle for South Africa to say a person against whom a warrant has been issued is in South Africa, but South Africa take a principal stand not to arrest him. I, I can't see that happening within the rule of law principle that we have covered it ourselves in. Vayete hmm. Swazi, really appreciate the time this morning. Thank you very much indeed. President of the Black Lawyers Association bringing an end to a mediated conversation this Monday morning. My thanks also to Professor Andre Thomashausen, a Professor Emeritus of International Law at UNISA, the University of South Africa. And Dr. Attila Kisler starting us off today, the International Justice Cluster Lead at the Southern African Litigation Centre. It is such an interesting idea, the idea of an international criminal court, and I suppose you could say it was always going to not be a success at the first go. Maybe that's the way to see it. But like perhaps the League of Nations led to the United Nations, which still, of course, has many problems. We will see you tomorrow from Mdu Stanza, from uh, Sia, from uh, Madniana, myself. Look after yourself. Have a good Monday. You're with SFM leading the conversation. It's Monday morning. What